Welcome to Macintosh and Mod Haven't Seen What, the podcast where we make each other watch movies we should have already seen. I'm Diana. And I'm David. And today we watched Inside Man. A police detective, a bank robber, and a high power broker enter high stakes negotiations after the criminal's brilliant heist spirals into a hostage situation. Yeah. Uh-oh, it's a movie we both have seen. Yeah, we saw this one in the theaters. So here's the thing. This is actually a double feature episode. Yeah. This is a little uh, a secret twofer. And part of it is Spike has made a crime movie before. Mm-hmm. And I use the word crime movie very specifically. <laughs> okay. But when doing that, we also were like, man, this gives us an excuse to go talk about one of our favorite Spike Lee movies that we saw before either of us really, really knew who Spike Lee was. Yeah. <laughs> to be perfectly honest. Uh-huh. And, man, this movie still doesn't disappoint. This, this movie's so fun. And watching it, realizing, oh, my God, there's so many people in it. They were in this? What? That was really fun. It is both a peak 2006 movie. Mm-hmm. And yet, also, there's just enough spike there. To give it that extra kick, mm-hmm. it's that extra little bit of flavor to it that I'm like, yeah. So it's such a good movie. Mm-hmm. Like, there's nothing, there's nothing bad to say about it. If you want to see a heist movie done in pretty much the best pitch perfect way, you can't go wrong with this one. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't necessarily call it like the greatest heist movie because there's been some that are really crazy inventive sure. with how they do it, but this is like. This is the bar to clear. If you're going to make a good heist movie, it, you better be doing better than Inside Man. Yeah. All right. So since we've done this one, we won't like dwell too much on the different stuff, but I do want to go through it before we jump into our second movie. The okay. budget for this movie was $45 million. It opened to $29 million. It grossed $88 million in the US and $186 million globally. And I think... You don't have to quote me on this specifically. This might be Spike's most commercially viable movie. <laughs> that makes sense. I think this might have been his biggest commercial success. Okay. Which, if you're going to make a good heist movie, people are going to go watch it. Yes. Heist films are great. They are. They're fantastic. You have such an opportunity to play a thriller on top of a mystery. Mm-hmm. That's the real fun part about it. And then you can go even further with it, like we talked about Heat last mm-hmm. season in our 90s series, where you can go even deeper into a character study. Sure. Like, you can take it in so many different directions. And this one, it's a little bit of all three. He's just juggling all of it at the same time. And because it's Spike, and Spike knows how to make good movies, he does a perfect job of it. Mm-hmm. All right, the writer for this movie was Russell Gerwitz. He hasn't really done that much else. He wrote Righteous Kill, but he is apparently, this might be in development hell, but a movie about the 1997 North Hollywood shootout Okay, that went down as the most highly armed robbery in US history. Oh, okay. So heist is his thing. I guess. The writing's very, very good. Oh, yes. The writing is excellent. Now, I will say, I feel like the writing without everything else around this movie probably could have been really boring sure i think the plot and the heist structure and how the mechanics of the heist work Mm -hmm. that's what's brilliant yes well if you don't have that the rest of the movie can fall apart very very quickly for sure i do think that the characters 
have a lot more to do with Spike and the cast. Mm-hmm. You get the sense that they're pretty thin on the page, mm-hmm. which I'm not going to be mad about that. Like you had to do a lot of mechanical plot work to make this thing come together. Sure. That's great and required, but on its own doesn't get this movie as far as it does. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's where that that's the one criticism I have is just like it seems pretty blank template and you're getting a lot more of who these people are from the actors. Well, they they're filling in the the blanks and I think that's good because the heist has to work just mechanically. And then once you have that, then you can fill it in with a bunch of other stuff. Different circumstances, but it's kind of the Jaws thing mm-hmm. where the script has a plot mechanic and then out of necessity, the actors figured out how to bring so much more life into it. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about our director. It is Mr. Spike Lee. And despite this being a big budget movie, this is a Spike Lee joint. Mm-hmm. He did call it a joint. It's so good. <laughs> it is. Um, it doesn't feel like a Spike movie. It has its moments. Sure. But it doesn't, it doesn't, it's just so different from the other things that we've seen from him, but it's so good. And I, I really think that's because he didn't write it. Yeah. Well, as we're going to, I mean, that, that becomes a hallmark later for him. He has, I think since this, after this movie, he really has just started going, okay, I've got somebody else writing this stuff. Mm-hmm. And let me be clear. I guarantee you he is in that room reworking stuff. Oh, absolutely. Because he's spite. Because <laughs> it's got to, it has to be something that can work from his perspective. And that's yeah. great. But I think he's better with, uh, I think he's better with a better like base. I do. I do. You know, he had such a voice early on. And then it's almost like it was like, okay, he kind of ran out of ideas. Maybe work with somebody else's ideas. <laughs> yeah. And that's okay. It's really okay. Now, who could have been better on this one? Opie was the original director for this movie. Okay. That is why Ron Howard is an executive producer on this film. Okay. I don't think this is as good if Opie's doing it. Um, I don't think it would have the same sharpness. Exactly. <laughs> um, it would be a different movie. Ron Howard's made some amazing stuff, but this is the kind of movie for me that would be super bland from him. I... I don't disagree. I don't, I don't think it would be a bad movie from him, but it wouldn't. It it would just be, it would be a different flavor. It really would. Having Spike here with the cast that they've pulled together mm-hmm. made it sing so much more. I do think it's more interesting with Spike at the helm. Well, and not to mention, we'll talk about cast, but Spike and Denzel, every time they work together. It's interesting. It's always fun to watch. Mm-hmm. He Got Game was a bad movie, but Denzel's really fucking good in it. Well, yeah, and then it's just funny to think about him working with his son <laughs> in Black Klansman. It's just very funny to me. Yeah. I think Ron would have been the wrong choice, and we would not have loved this movie as much as we did. All right, let's talk about that cast. Cast, excellent. Denzel fucking Washington is Detective Keith Frazier. Mm-hmm. Every time they work together, we get something, a little twist on the Denzel we're used to. Yep. And it's real fun. Yeah, it's excellent. I love how weary he is in this movie. I like that you really don't know if he's a good cop or not. That's what I love. Yeah, he's not a bad cop. 
No, but, but he yeah. is not. He does not care about the integrity part of it. Mm-hmm. He's there to get a paycheck. Sure. And that's kind of great. Mm-hmm. Having seen now three different movies with him in it, again, it every time I come back to like, this is not what we usually see from him. Mm-hmm. It's it's still got the whole Denzelness of it all because he's got such a presence, but he gets to throw a little bit of a twist on it. Yeah. And that world weariness and that that interesting thing of like everyone around him is like super in we're going to storm everything mode. And he is just there to try to make sure nobody dies. Yeah, it's it's really fascinating. Then we have Clive Owen as Dalton Russell. And we need to give this man's credits yes. because we've never talked about him on this show before. Yep. Before this, he did tons of British TV and film. Then was in the movies Bent Croupier, did all of the driver shorts for BMW, Gosford Park, The Born Identity, I'll Sleep When I'm Dead, King Arthur from 2004, Closer, Sin City, Derailed, and The Pink Panther. After this, he does Children of Men in the same year. Oh, I love that movie. What a fucking movie year. Yeah. Shoot 'em Up, Elizabeth the Golden Age, The International Duplicity, Hemingway and Gellhorn, The Nick. And he just played Bill Clinton in American Crime Story. Oh, yeah. What do we think of Clive Owen in this movie? He's excellent. <sighs> he's so fun to watch because he's so menacing in this. It's, it's fascinating. Most fun part is how menacing he is, except that as the longer the movie goes on, there's no bite mm-hmm. to his menace. Yep. Which is on purpose. Mm-hmm. But it is fascinating to watch him write that line. Oh, yeah. It is a man who is like, I have calculated this, and I am going to make everyone feel like I am the most threatening person in the world, despite the fact that I am not going to hurt a single person. (laughs) Yeah, my my plan is not to do anything bad other than, you know, commit this crime. (laughs) I'm going to steal some blood diamonds. Yeah. That's it. (laughs) Yep. He's so fucking good. Yes, he's very good. I mean, and this was like the peak of his powers this year mm-hmm. between this and how good and solid is, he was in Children of Men. This is when he exploded for the U.S. market, for sure. I know. And I'm glad he, I, I'm glad to see him coming back around on uh, revisiting him of, you know, we were like, we know who Denzel is. We know who a lot of these other actors. We kind of knew who Clive Owen was. And then we were like, holy fucking shit. Look at this guy. Yeah. We have... Jodie Foster as Madeline White, she of Taxi Driver and Silence of the Lambs. Mm-hmm. It's Jodie fucking Foster. Yeah, she's the shit. Again, she gets to be menacing, but also she is way in over her head and she does not know. Yes, but I love that. It's fun. It's very fun to watch her be smarmy and then near the end be like, fuck me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got used. Yep. Now, we do have a ton, though, of who could have been betters. And let me tell you, we got the best. Okay. Rachel Nichols. Okay. Kate Hudson. Okay. Rachel Lee Cook. Okay. Jennifer Jason Lee. Mm. Marsha Cross was cast. Okay. Then she had to turn it down for commitments to Desperate Housewives. Sure. Jennifer Love Hewitt. This is the Jodie Foster role. But she turned it down for Ghost Whisperer. Jennifer Connelly. Okay. Don't hate that. Are any of these women Jodie fucking Foster? No, Jennifer Connelly is 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 a good 
is a good second. Like, I would yeah. not be pissed. Could have given a very similar performance. Mm-hmm. But, like, the rest of those are just, like, young ladies. Yeah. Like, and I'm not calling Jodie Foster old, but just, like, they're not as established an actor. But Jodie fucking Foster. We got the absolute best upgrade. <laughs> we really did. For sure. We have Christopher Plummer playing Arthur Case. It's Captain Von Trapp. <laughs> Yeah, except this time he's an actual Nazi. He's an actual Nazi, yes. Well, he, almost worse, he is a Jewish Nazi collaborator. Yeah. Which is like, you're you're a special kind of evil, aren't you? Yep. I love, though, the moments where he plays the, I just want to help out any way I can. Yeah. Old man. And you'll see, it's funny now seeing it again. Because mm-hmm. I, I had barely remembered the plot points and then watching him being like, oh, he's such a doofus. Yeah. You're like, it's Christopher Plummer. It's like, nah, he can't hold a candle to anybody. He's so suspicious the whole time. Oh, sure. I love that. But it also, like, then I think of him in Knives Out and it's just so fun. Mm-hmm. Like, love Christopher Plummer. We have Willem Dafoe as Captain John Darius. We have talked about Willem for John Wick, so I don't have to give his credits. Nope. Mostly because all the movies we've talked we've seen and talked about him on this show are ones that we saw when they came out. <laughs> yeah, he's he's been a big player recently. Nice Willem Dafoe. He's great. This is a different role from him, but I, I like it. I do. He's he's very down to earth. Mm-hmm. I do appreciate Spike being like, I'm not gonna make these guys over the top cops. Except mm-hmm. for some of like the beat guys, but that kind of makes sense. Yeah. He he wants some just like straight up New York cops, but specifically for this one, I love the fact that they let Willem just be like, you're a matter of fact, dude, who's trying to make sure everything's in control. Yeah. And again, Willem's capable of doing that. He's not always asked to because of his face and what he's able to do as an actor. Mm-hmm. But in this one, he's just fantastic. Yep. Now, the story of how he got cast is pretty great. Okay. According to Spike. He met Willem in the men's room during intermission of Denzel's performance in Julius Caesar. Oh, okay, cool. Standing there, going to the bathroom, Spike looked over and said, we should work together. And Willem said, yeah, Spike, we should. And that sealed the deal. I love it. (laughs) I I really do love it when it's that simple. It's like, I like your work. We should do something together. Okay. It's such a spikely move. Yeah. For all of the public image and just like how, what a big presence he is. Spike has always been just the like, I just like making movies. <laughs> Want to be in a movie? Let's make a movie. Make a movie. He's just, he's, he's still just got that, I'm a kid in Brooklyn making a movie. Come on, let's go do it. <laughs> and finally, in another breakout role, she would tell Ejafor as Detective Bill Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Again, same year, Children of Men. Yeah. Did Serenity the year before. Oh, yeah, I forgot he was in it. And kinky boots, but, you know. Yeah. Uh, she would tell. He's awesome. I love him. I love how they kind of make him bumbly. Yeah. Like, compared to Denzel, he's he's definitely less experienced. Everybody's just playing so against type. That's fun. It's very good. That's, that's the whole point. All right, let's talk about these arpons. Random people of note. We have James Ransone as Steve-O. He was Ziggy on the Wire and played adult Eddie in It Chapter 2. Mm-hmm. Cassandra Freeman as Sylvia. She is the new Vivian on Bel Air. Okay, yeah. Peter Frechette as Peter Hammond. He was one of the greasers in Grease 2. <laughs> okay. Waris Alawalia 
playing Vikram Walia. He is the Sikh gentleman who is a, also a fave of Wes Anderson. He is in both The Life Aquatic and had a pretty big role in Darjeeling Limited. Oh, okay. Daryl Mitchell as Mobile Command Officer Rourke. This is Tommy Weber from Galaxy Quest. Okay. <laughs> Love Galaxy Quest. Another just outstanding movie. Cable classic. Ashley Atkinson as Mobile Command Officer Burke. Um, she was the KKK wife in Black Klansman. Oh, okay. Yeah. Ken Lung as Wing. It's Milestrom from Lost. Mm-hmm. This is right around the time he was like big on Lost. So yeah, Marsha Jean. Who he was? Marsha Jean Kurtz as Miriam Douglas. Now, Diana, we have actually talked about her. Okay. Because she was in the bank in Dog Day Afternoon. Oh, okay. She was one of the bank employees, and in this one, they brought her in for a similar role. She's the older lady that Denzel gets the wonderful line of like, unless she did it, but she didn't. Or you did. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> also, I believe she was the mom in Big Fan. She's a great, she's got a ton of like big character roles. So Yeah, I'm trying to think. Um, maybe. Jeff Ward as ESU Officer Jesus. I mention him because he has been the stunt coordinator for Spike since Mo Better Blues. Mm, okay. And he and he is a black guy, which it's just it's one of those like, that's pretty cool. Spike has worked with the same guy for all of the stunts he's done. I like it. Lionel Pena as Cop with Pizzas. Once again, he was the pizza guy in Dog Day Afternoon. That's cool. And so, of course, what's Spike going to do? He's going to bring the dog day guy, have him deliver the pizzas. Cool. He's very much referencing that movie the whole time oh, sure. this thing's going on. Yeah. And then it's, y'all have probably heard of it, but there's a TV show um, from Spain that's on Netflix and it's called Money Heist. And one of the things when I was watching that TV show, particularly the first and second season, is there's so much that feels inspired by Inside Man. Like mm-hmm. some of the things that they do um, in in their heist is very similar to this. Um, just some of the way like the characters interact with each other. It's it's very good, and it's also like one of the first shows that Netflix has done where they've made the dubbing of one language into another a performance, and it's impeccable. It's so good. So I would highly recommend that if you enjoy Inside Man. By the way, one other note: the pizza shop that uh, that they're delivering it sells pizza. Yeah, of course it is. <laughs> and finally, as himself, Enver Joja, leader of communist Albania from 1944 to 1985. Okay. Such a funny bit. It is. <laughs> it's not Russian, it's Albanian. It's funny. Trivia. Trivia. The coffee shop scene was completely improvised. Oh, nice. The moment Denzel ad-libbed, I'll bet you can get a cab, though, Spike almost ruined the take by laughing so loud over everything, which, of course, is how they end that scene. Sure. In fact, most of the interrogation scenes were ad-libbed. I like it. Which is a perfect way to do that. Yeah, I mean, you, everyone walks in the room knowing, like, this is, like, the aim, stay in character, make it work. Mm-hmm. Like, those always look, those always feel better when that's how they're done. Well, funny enough, they did the same thing for Dog Day. Mm-hmm. Like, they said, here's the plot, here's the basic story beats, but I'm just going to let you guys kind of roll with it. Mm-hmm. And it worked perfectly for Pacino, yeah. who was so good at that. And I think it was the same thing here. It's like, we know who your characters are. 
we've got to intersperse these things. Why bother trying to write it out when y'all can probably come up with something off the cuff better? Yeah. And I almost wonder if Spike refused to tell Denzel and Chiwetel who was actually part of the heist and who wasn't. I have to believe he did not tell them until later. Spike doesn't play that way, though. Yeah, I don't know. So I don't think that, I mean, here's the thing. If that is what would happen, had happened, they would, we would know about it. That's fair. Jodie Foster, ever the most talented person in the universe, dubbed herself for the French version of this film. Yeah, she did. She is fluent in French. She does that for most of her films, actually. The scene with the PSP video game was not in the original script. Instead, Spike wanted to, quote, make a comment on gangster rap's infatuation with violence, unquote. And I roll a little bit. Yeah. The game was created by an animation house. It was not a real game. And Lee asked them to come up with animation for, quote, the most violent game ever, unquote. Okay. It's, it's so over the top. Oh, yeah. It's so dumb. It's a very cute moment in uh-huh. the film, but it's just like, whatever. The ground scenes for the film were shot inside an actual bank. Okay. So the lobby scenes, the underground scenes were shot on a set in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. You can't really like, first of all, they're not going to let you in vaults. And second of all, that vault is so complicated in how it's rigged out that you've got to make it a set. (laughs) Yes. Now, there is a way to tell the robbers from the hostages. Mm -hmm. The robbers wear sunglasses. The hostages wear sleep masks. Yep. It's a pretty neat little trick. Uh, Also, Spike was not aware that Riddles played a major part in 1995's Die Hard with a Vengeance. Mm -hmm. If he had recalled that or seen it, he would have cut all of the riddles from this movie. Okay. As with a lot of Spike movies, he moves fast. This movie was shot in 39 days. Wow. That is quick. Like, holy shit, man. (laughs) Uh, Spike reused the main theme of this film for the Charlottesville sequence in Black Klansman. Okay. The address given for the location of the robbery is the actual address of the shooting location for the bank scenes. Okay. Not hiding anything. The Cartier ring in the film is an actual Cartier diamond ring valued at $1.5 million. Okay. And the slogan on the thieves' van is a clear clue to their resolution. Quote, we don't leave until the job is done. Unquote. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) That leads us to ratings. For every movie, you have a specific rating system. For this one, is it going to be Nazi diamonds? Just diamonds. It's Nazi diamonds. Gross. Come on. Nope. Jodie Foster? No. How about sleep masks? Oh, you know what? Pizzas. Just pizzas. All right. How many pizzas? (laughs) I'm feeling a four. Okay. Like, is it the most perfect movie? No. I don't really know how I qualify that. It's just, it feels like a four. It's solid. It's great. It didn't shock me. I'll go 4.5. Okay. Like, it's so good. It's a standard bear. Mm-hmm. I think the problem is, is that since then, we've gotten to see some movies that really go above and beyond this. Yeah. Like, again, Heat being a big example of like, holy shit, wow, look at what you can do even further. I don't think I felt that way about Heat. Well, whatever. I did. But regardless, like, there are, I, I, we've seen them expand on this idea more. Mm-hmm. And so I think this is this is just a solid, amazingly well-executed movie that's also not doing 
quite as much as some heist movies do now. Yeah. So I'm I'm gonna go four point five. Okay. Because it's still so goddamn good. Yes. And with that out of the way, we're now gonna go backwards. Okay. Backwards in our series, even to 1995. Okay. To talk about Spike's first foray into crime. Mm-hmm. So Diana, let's take a little break, and then we're gonna talk about clockers. Clockers. Okay. Today we watched Clockers. Young drug pushers in the projects of Brooklyn live hard, dangerous lives, trapped between their drug bosses and the detectives out to stop them. Okay. Well, damn. This is fun. Do I think this movie's like the best thing ever? No, but man, it is crackling. Crackling. Okay. There's just a lot of like pointed, sharp lines and commentary. And in a funny way, there's also that it, it's got some of that sharpness from do the right thing mm-hmm. without being too over the top with some very big exceptions, <laughs> namely for the cops. I mean, the cops are a bit much. They're a bit much. And yet at the same time, everybody seems to be inhabiting exactly who they are as a person. Mm-hmm. It's like New York homicide cops would be like this. Yeah. Like if you really wanted to dive into these guys. Either they're completely mentally tortured and they have to numb the pain, or they're good at what they do and they see this all the time and this is just how it is. They make gallows humor because that's they just keep seeing people die. Sure. Even though they also have, you know, especially with with Rocco, with Harvey Keitel, mm-hmm. there is also this level of like, yeah, I don't want it that way, though. <laughs> yes. I would really prefer it if people weren't dying every day on the street. But if it's going to happen... It's my job. Yep. <laughs> so it's very much one of those movies where like everybody's got a job. It is what it is. I don't know. Well, the budget for this movie was $25 million. Mm-hmm. So this is a pretty big step up. Like a I, little bit. About the same that he had for Crooklyn, which was the year before. But okay. not an insignificant amount of money. It only grossed $13 million. Okay. I don't know if maybe it was just slated up against something or whatnot. This is a really good movie. It was enjoyable. I I liked it more than I thought I would. Yeah, I, it's not the greatest movie ever, but it's there's a lot to it that's really interesting to watch. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about our writing. This is based on a book by a gentleman named Richard Price, who then went on to help write the screenplay, mm-hmm. um, and then he co-writes that with Spike. Okay. What do we think about the writing of this movie? Um, it could it could be cleaned up. I like I think, the story, but I, I think it's a little messier than it. I think I think it, it needed to be cleaned up a little bit. Yeah. To me, I think the intent was to be messy on purpose. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of that that helps with the characters. But I do think that it makes at times for like, where exactly are you going with the movie part? Of I, it? I think it makes sense for like our lead character to be messy, but everybody else should have been a little bit more clean. Like fleshed out it's it, it's it's writing that line somewhere between it's just the sort of ticking time bomb things are narrowing in on this guy for a mm-hmm. murder yeah versus more of that character study almost do the right thing approach yeah and they tried to hit some middle ground it was like uh, you probably should have just picked one or the other yeah or you could have had our guy be like really like buttoned up like in terms of writing and like very like 
I don't know. It just it, everything's a little like Off. non-committal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, uh, the novel was originally set in Curry Woods, uh, a mm-hmm. notorious project on the border between Jersey City and Bayonne, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spike kind of looked at it and was like, you know, Bed-Stuy is not that much different. Okay. So he just relocated it to his neighborhood. That makes sense. I don't think that, I don't think that hurts it. And that is because Spike was not the original director. Okay. Now, he is our director, but who could have been better? Martin. Scorsese. Oh. This was a Marty joint. Really? Yeah. Okay. Now, Marty, I mean, first of all, so much clicked into place for me on how this movie worked when I re- when I knew Martin Scorsese was the original director. Sure. Because this feels like Spike making a Marty movie. Yeah. With a lot of Spike in it, don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But it is also, there's a lot of homage to how Marty does stuff in this. Oh, yeah. Now, in Marty's version, Rocco was going to be the main character. Okay. Not Strike. That makes sense. And De Niro would have been in that lead. Of course. Uh, But instead, Marty switched over to do Casino, which is also just a great movie. Probably Mm -hmm. the last of like his great mob movies. And so when he went to do that, he said to Spike, hey, would you want to take this? And so Spike accepted, but because he, you know, because he wanted to reframe it and take it on for for his view, he moved it so that Strike would be the main character and the cops would be side characters. Mm-hmm. So you want to say they'd be different movies, but then on the other hand, I'm like, I think it's the same movie. It's just you shift the perspective from Marty to Spike. Yes, you do. <laughs> Which, you know, makes sense. However, had Marty done this, I don't think Marty would have fucked with the script as much. Well, because Marty, Marty doesn't really write that much. I mean, he will add to a script. Don't get me wrong. No, because if the if the focus had been on the other guy, it would have been on the white guy. Well, yes, that is that is the other part of it, and and that is his perspective. Yeah. <laughs> so it makes sense that Spike coming in being like, "We're not going to talk about that guy. We're going to talk about the other guy. I need to make some changes." Hmm. It makes sense. Oh, yeah. Um, but also, it, that's just like the typical nature for Marty. Marty's not mm-hmm. a writer. I think the way he write, he adds to the writing typically is he's very liberal with letting actors add. Yes. And so that's kind of how he accomplishes that. But, you know, I do think that is a potential part of why the writing gets muddy. Sure. Is because Spike completely flipped the script. And unfortunately, he might not have done that quite the right way. But yeah, it it really does feel like a Spike Lee joint with a lot of Spike Lee hallmarks, but him making his Marty homage. Yeah. And to be honest, I kind of wish he'd done his Marty homage with He Got Game. Because yeah. now that I sit here and think about it, if He Got Game was not this weird semi-fantasy, but was actually like him trying to make a Marty Scorsese movie, mm-hmm. all of that shit would have worked. Yeah. All of that sort of wild fantasy shit would have made a lot of sense. Yeah, it would have been better. Uh, so I think I, I think the directing style, that's what makes it so fun and interesting and, and a little bit different for Spike. I do think, however, that that is partly where the writing comes into play. Mm-hmm. Now let's talk about our cast. We start with one Harvey Keitel as Rocco Klein. We have talked about this man many times on this show. Yeah, he's been a lot of things. We're, we're fans. We like it. 
He's Harvey goddamn Keitel. Yeah. He's so good at this role. Mm-hmm. Again, the lovely thing is he, Harvey Keitel does one thing so goddamn well, mm-hmm. but the unique part of it is that he can total, he can dial in in a very subtle way how much heart he wants to put into that role. Mm-hmm. And in this one, there's a lot of vulnerability. Yeah. Like, as opposed to some of the detective characters where he can be absolutely heartless, this reminds me a lot more of us talking about Thelma and Louise, hmm. where it's like a little bit more hard, but he does care. Yeah. You can tell he's getting sick of guys being dead on the street. Yeah. And he's getting sick of being jerked around about it. He's mm-hmm. like, I don't want to have to deal with these murders anymore. It sucks. Yeah. So, um, and he's just a great foil. Now, who could have been better? After Bobby De Niro dropped out and Spike took over, Jack Nicholson was considered for this role. Oh, that would that would have been interesting. I don't hate it. No, I don't hate it either. Jack's really good. It would have changed that dynamic so much. It would, but I think maybe for the better. Yeah, maybe. I, I don't know. You'd have a lot more cat and mouse with Strike. Yes. As opposed to this much more heart-to-heart New York guy to New York guy. Which, depending on how you look at it, could benefit the movie. <laughs> yes. Then we have John Turturro as Larry Mazzilla. He has been in this series several times. Yes. <laughs> this is our John Turturro show breakout series. He's, he's not in the movie that much. He's, no, he's barely in it. He's but when fine. he is, he's John fucking Turturro. <laughs> I love him. Now, there is a fun who could have been better here. Spike, when he took this movie over... He wanted Turturro to play Rocco. Oh, okay. And he wanted Michael Imperioli to play Mozilla. Oh, that would have been good. Yeah. Uh, the studio balked. They were like, we have to have a star. I get it. In one of these detective roles. So who else recommends Harvey but Marty? <laughs> yeah. Why don't you go get my guy? I was like, I like this dude. Go, go hang out with him. Mm-hmm. Now, our next actor is Delroy Lindo as Rodney. Mm-hmm. So Delroy Lindo comes off of Crooklyn mm-hmm. with an incredibly soft, beautiful role. Yep. And vulnerable. And then goes into this. Yeah. Oh, man, he's so good in this movie. He really is. That scene when he pulls him in the car after he's been at the police station mm-hmm. and then he shoves that gun in his face. Yeah. And you're like, and this whole time, it's like he is the closest thing Strike has to a dad. Yep. For real. And, and he makes no bones about it. And it's such this unique, interesting relationship of he doesn't hide that he is ready to kill this kid at a moment's notice. Yeah. But he will also treat him with absolute respect and dignity and just goes, that's just the way this works. Yep. You work for me. Just don't forget it. Like, I can that- make your life great or I can make it horrible. And that and that wonderfully manipulative, but also very real thing of just like, this is just the way it is. Mm-hmm. I don't want it to be this way, but this is how it works. It's fascinating. The way he can turn on a dime is so fun to watch. He, I mean, this did not get awards consideration and probably because it went under the radar. Mm-hmm. He is a supporting actor nominee in a heartbeat from this movie for me. I wouldn't be mad at it. Because of how just on point he is. Yeah. Who could have been better? Samuel L. Jackson was considered sure. for this role. 
course he was. I don't think he could have brought what Lindo does. No, 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 no. He could have been Tyrone. Yeah. The junkie guy. Yeah. Who's the real danger on the street. Yeah. Ooh, he'd have been good. He would have been good at that, but no, he couldn't have done this. Yeah. Delroy's got such that unique, subtle style. That slow burn. That's so I mean, come on. Samuel L. Jackson's known for saying one very particular thing. It ain't subtle. Yeah, wake up. He says it a lot for Spike's movie. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. In his feature film debut, Mackay Pfeiffer as Strike. I love him. He's such a little baby here. After this, he is in High School High, Soul Food, I Still Know What You Did Last Summer, Shaft from 2000, Carmen, a hip opera, O-E-R, Eight Mile, Dawn of the Dead from 2004, Lie to Me, Torchwood, Divergent, The Divergent Series, Insurgent, Allegiant, and Love, Victor. Oh yeah, he was in Love, Victor. I loved him in ER. He was great. What do we think of Mackay in this movie? He's so good. He's so magnetic. Wow. <laughs> He's And he holds his own against these guys, which it is... It is not easy. No. <laughs> Your first time at bat, this is who you're going up against? Okay. Let's see. You've got uh, Oscar winner, legit, you know, contender, and maybe greatest character actor of our generation. Mm-hmm. And then one of the most underrated but incredible black actors in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's who you've got to match. Yeah. And at the same time, you also have to be like an 18-year-old, 19-year-old kid. Yeah. Fuck, man. (laughs) You know, some of it is, I think, Spike really gave him a lot of good character traits, Mm -hmm. like the lactose intolerance thing. Yeah. That's something like that is so huge for a character like this, Mm -hmm. where you have an anchor you can just go back to the whole time. Yeah. And that also gives him this wonderful Achilles heel, like this whole time. He's he's trying to stare down all of this different shit and all of this different stress. And then in the middle of it, he also has this horrible stomach condition. Yeah. <laughs> that's also just bugging the shit out of him. And then at the end, the reveal mm-hmm. of he went through all this hell because he wanted to protect his goddamn brother. Yep. And I was not ready for that. I suspected it. You you could think it was coming. The thing was, I always viewed it as a red herring. Mm-hmm. And then they brought it around and was like, no, that was actually the whole truth the entire time. Yeah. And I think that's the really fascinating part is then Rocco realizing it. Like that happens and Rocco's like, I just signed this kid's death sentence. Mm-hmm. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, that's super not fun. But at the same time, like I, I suspected it just because... I'm suspicious of everything in a movie I watch. <laughs> yeah. It's not it's not the most mind-blowing twist, but no. I wasn't prepared for it, and I think the brilliant part of it isn't so much of the twist itself of how everybody reacts to it. Mm-hmm. And being like, "Oh." Yeah, especially so. especially Harvey and then John Turturro walking in with a stone face of like, oh, "Dude, we fucked up." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so that leads us into our pawns. Random people of note. We have Isaiah Washington as Victor, the brother. He's very good at what he does. I wish he wasn't an asshole. Mm-hmm. There you go. That's all we need to say about him. Keith David as Andre the Giant. We talked about him in The Thing and Roadhouse. He's a legendary voice actor now, too. Okay. Damn, he's good in this movie. Mm-hmm. So good. 
So good as an actual neighborhood cop. Yeah. And, you know, feelings aside, it's very interesting to have his perspective alongside the detectives. Yeah. The, the guy who's actually in the project every day. Mm-hmm. Pee Wee Love as Tyrone, the little kid. He played Possum, Greg, who called Troy's mom a hoe in Crooklyn. He's <laughs> <Yep. laughs> like the little pig pen kid. Yep, love it. Regina Taylor as Iris Jeter, Tyrone's mom. She was Mrs. Carter from Lean on Me. Mm. Uh, she was the mom who was trying to protect the, the main girl. Thomas Jefferson Bird as Errol Barnes. This was Sweetness, the pimp from He Got Game. He's infinitely better in this role. Yes. <laughs> Granted, the script's a lot better for him. Mm-hmm. But God, he's terrifying. <laughs> oh, yeah. Frances Foster as Gloria. She, this was Aunt Song from Crooklyn. She's the mom in this movie. So different. Oh, yeah. You have Southern oblivious lady in Crooklyn. Mm -hmm. And in this, you have beleaguered mother. (laughs) Totally different. Yep. Michael Imperioli does make it into this movie as the absolute corrupt cop, Jojo. Yep. I love Michael Imperioli. This is right around the time he's like finally starting to get real meaty roles. Mm -hmm. Right before he gets the Sopranos. And it's like, (laughs) you are coming into your own, sir. We still need to watch that. Mike Starr as Thumper. He is the big, heavy muscle dude that you see in every movie. He was in Lean on Me as a teacher. He's been in Goodfellas. Mm-hmm. He is the mob dude in Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, I forgot he's in that. Steve White as Daryl Adams. Uh, he was in Do the Right Thing and Mo Better Blues. You'd see him around. He's in a ton of these movies. Mm-hmm. Spike Lee as Chucky. Again, both this and Crookland, he finally went, I'm just going to put myself in the background on these. Yep. <laughs> I don't need to be a main character. This is not my lane. So smart. Arthur J. Nascarella as Bartucci, the sort of head homicide guy. This was Coach Sincata in He Got Game. He was the high school coach. Mm, okay. Norman Matlock as Reverend Paul. This was Uncle Clem from Crooklyn. Okay. Michael Badalucho as cop number one. He played George Tommy Boy Nelson in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Mm. Very well-known babyface character actor. If you see him, you're like, oh, yeah, that Mm -hmm. guy. Rick Aiello playing cop number two. He has been a police officer in so many Spike Lee movies. (laughs) And, of course, Danny Aiello's son. Ken Garrido as Louie. He was the police sergeant in Colorado Springs in Black Klansman. Oh, okay. And finally, Jeff Ward. We talked about him as the stunt coordinator on Inside Man. He is, of course, the stunt coordinator for this movie and also bike cop number three. Mm-hmm. Okay. And finally, one piece of trivia. Trivia. The music featuring over the opening courtyard scene is a remix of the song Crooklyn. Okay. Whereas that one is meant to be sort of funky and with a Soul Train vibe, mm-hmm. be optimistic. This one is a remix that is far more grim and pessimistic and almost gangster rap style. Okay. All right, and that leads us to ratings. Ratings. For every film, we have a specific rating system. For this movie, are we going to go with those moo drinks? Yep. You got to do it. Yep. You got to stop drinking the moo drinks. The moo drinks. Three and a half. I was going to go three. Yeah. Three and a half feels good for this one. Yeah. It's a really enjoyable movie. The mm-hmm. characters are really interesting. It's kind of messy. Yeah. The writing needed to be tightened up. Performances are great. Direction's good. Salt, salt, solid movie. All right, well, Diana, now we're going to go warp speed into the future. Okay. And we are going to talk about the first 
of Spike's latest latest forays into cinema. He mm-hmm. had some dark years that we're not sure. going to exactly go into. But in 2015, he came out with a bang. Okay. And potentially a banger with a movie that we desperately wanted to see. Mm-hmm. We are going to talk about Chirac. Oh, yes. We did. Yes. This was one that... 2015, yeah, we just had our second kid. There was no going to the movies for us at that time. <laughs> yeah, that's if, uh, unless it was Star Wars, which also came out that year, it, it wasn't happening. Yeah, no, 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 didn't happen. Uh, which is, it's sad that we haven't seen it up until now uh, because it is Amazon. Sure. It's an Amazon movie, so it's sure. like we don't really have a, an excuse not to have mm-hmm. seen it. Uh, also, you know, it's, it's right up our theater personality. It really is. All right. Well, until next time. Have a good movie. Thanks for listening. Be sure to review and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. For questions, comments, and recommendations, you can email us at macintoshandmod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. (laughs) 